Tune in weekly and listen to the Collateral Damage podcast, where Michael Wilson and Maureen Kavanaugh host a variety of special guests to discuss topics and available services that will help you learn about the impact that substance use has on our lives, our families, and on our communities nationwide. Episodes and listening information can be found at www.cdpodcast.com. You can also search for Collateral Damage Podcast on your favorite listening platforms or watch previous and future episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and share. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Collateral Damage Podcast. Uh, here with Mike Wilson and Maureen Cavanaugh and our special guest, John Checky, uh, who is my, uh, my co-owner of Bay State Recovery Services, business partner and friend, and he is going to be sharing with us uh, some of his own personal recovery stories, uh, as well as what he does at Bay State Recovery Services and probably one of the most important pieces of our company. Uh, but thank you for joining us. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> yep, thanks for having me. Of course, of yeah. course. So, tell me a little bit about how you got well. Oh, or better uh, yet, tell our listeners. <laughs> You've heard well, the story. Uh, once yeah, I know. I know the story. Well, Mike but. knows the story because well, Mike's a part of it. Mike was there from the beginning. Um, I had real no plans to get well until the day that I met Mike. Um, yeah, so it definitely started there. Um, so, I mean, for one thing, I believe. An intervention because I'm a product of it mm. um, you know I think that you know I'm kind of a case where and I think you know it happens a lot in our field where I actually I kind of got well by accident and um, you know I hear a lot of people say these discouraging things like um, you know my my kids not ready so like you know mm-hmm. they don't even try and that's the majority out there i think you know unless i can see that there's something better um then i'm not going to go after it and it takes you know somebody to sit in front of me and you know tell me that there's a solution and show me this gift uh for me to be willing to actually go after it mm-hmm. so mike was a big part of that and mike you know is just very influential and like letting me know that there was something better out there which nobody had actually ever really done and you know and then I would say you know today you know I got introduced to the 12 steps which completely changed my life Um, you know I got into this to be sober and I got so much more than that you know I'm so like grateful that I became a drug addict because (laughs) if I didn't become a drug addict you know I wouldn't be introduced to these steps and I wouldn't really have the life that I have today, so you know, it's an um, interesting point. Yeah, real grateful. Like I, I find that same gratitude. Like I'm, I, I meet a lot of people that I know that aren't really kind of <coughs> squared away. Like they're still yeah. struggling, and because I was able to go through this, I, I think I was, I, like John said, I benefited from a process that some people may never get to benefit from because yeah. they didn't get to go through my struggle too. Yep. You know. Yeah. I remember seeing you that day. Um, I remember your plan. Yeah. It was a really bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like, I'll go to detox for like, and, and treatment for like maybe a few days, and then I'll come out and talk to you and like do the right thing. And yeah. I was like, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that should not be your yeah. plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would have been, been the first time that worked, huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you do? You went to, uh, you went to detox and then you went to, yeah, uh, I went to a 30 day, uh, 12-step retreat right. and then followed by sober living and I was in sober living for 11 months but 11 the original months. agreement was that I was going to go to detox and then I was going to go to a 30-day program 
but only for 14 days. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, you had it all worked out. Yeah, huh? I knew okay. it was best at the time. And then somehow two weeks turned into a year yeah. of impatience. <laughs> Didn't you? You called on, like, yeah. day two, and you're like, I'm going to hot wire this yeah. tractor and drive home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. I would say I didn't realize how crazy I was until I started to get a little well. Yeah. And nobody does. Yeah. I didn't know that, like, I had problems until they started getting fixed. You know, I thought everything was working. I thought I knew. I thought I had it. And then it was just give me a little time and give me a little healing. And I'm like, I need some help. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. I think that first year to go through everything that a person goes through in an entire year. Yeah. You know, good things, bad things, everything. And just have that experience in a sober, supportive yeah. environment yep. is, is for me, I think, the key to people yeah. getting well. I think it's crucial. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the biggest hurdle that I always have with, like, you know, newcomers coming in mm-hmm. who, you know, I see myself every time. And this is to, to I'm not the only one. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they all come in with the, their plan mm-hmm. and what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to be somewhat compassionate because I understand that, yeah. you know, I was in that same position. Well, they all have their own timeline, too. You know what I mean? Like, they come in and like, no, I'm going to be home in, like, two months. Or I'm going to be, as soon as I get my job, it's this, it's that. It's the girl, it's the kid, it's the dog, the job. And not not recovery. The recovery is not the priority. It takes so long for that to become a priority. Yeah. It's... I, that, I see that all the time that people come, people come to me and, and they need help getting into detox, whatever, or treatment, and then they have a plan for what they're going to yeah. do after. And those people always inevitably, God willing, come back and have to do it all over again mm-hmm. because right. it just doesn't work like that. This right. is nothing that can be fixed in, in 14 days. Yeah. I like to say that, like, the first year is, like, the foundation, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you can build a beautiful home you know, and you can put all this work into your recovery, mm-hmm. but if you don't have a solid foundation, it doesn't matter how beautiful that house is, like, it's going to fall down eventually, right. whether it's two years or 10 years. So, mm-hmm. like, that first year yeah. is so crucial because people like, you know, I can do it. And I say, sure, maybe for yeah. a while, mm-hmm. but how long can a house sit on a cracked foundation before it just completely falls apart? You know, in that first year, I think is really crucial. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's longer than that <clears throat> because yeah. it depends on how cracked it is. Right? Yeah. yeah, we know some. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up a good point. Like the, you know, in the beginning when, when people are coming through and they've got like these these strange plans, it's like they don't know how sick they are until they get well and can reflect back, right? And, you know, we see this all the time on both sides of it. It's during, you know, the in, in, in the front end when we're trying to intervene. And then even when they get to sober living, they're still sick and confused and they don't realize how sick and confused they were. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of families make and people make is that they throw around these statements like they have to be ready. And, you know, I I hear that Mm. and I understand that in the end, like when you get to treatment or sober living, you have to be open. Your Mm -hmm. your cup can't be so full like that you can't accept anything in. So at a certain point, you do have to be ready. But you know, this this statement that gets thrown around, like they have to be ready first before they go in, to me, almost sounds like they have to be clear-headed enough to make the decision to go to treatment while still being so sick, which is impossible. Right. You know, I mean, it's so hard to have a clear thought or make a good plan that's going to challenge you. Like, you know, when you came into my office and sat down and told me your plan, and I was like, that's hilarious. You know (laughs) what I mean? But in your mind, that was like the best you could come up with. That was the most you were willing to challenge yourself. That was the most you could consider giving up to work on this. And that's common. Right. Everybody does. Well, if you're going to convince me to go away and get locked up, you got to prove to me that (laughs) I can't manage my life. Right. Right. 
But the problem was is that I was kind of like the manager. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I wasn't necessarily managing my life, but I had other people doing it for me. You had a team. You know? Yeah. And like <laughs> I needed someone like you to step in and tell my family that I needed to be fired. Right. You know, somebody like me shouldn't be the one managing this household. This. Yeah, I need He's to go. Terrible at this job. I need to go. I mean, that's what you do. You fire. There's not a good manager. You're gonna yeah. be fired. So, you know, I, I left because I was out of options. I thought that I was standing on my own two feet that whole time. I mean, I was. I think it's a part of it. I was just. I was extremely delusional. Yeah. You know, like I thought that I was doing it. I'm living life, and I really wasn't. And it really took my family. To have the courage to let me go and unfortunately see me fall, mm. you know, before they could actually believe. That Such a scary thing and so yeah. for a lot of families, but but necessary, <clears throat> absolutely necessary. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I see all the time two people they go through detox and they're in the program and then they're like, I'm so much better now. I see it all now. They want to go home and live life like nothing ever happened, yeah. and their families want them back too because they want to make believe that nothing ever happened either yeah, but guess yeah, what something yeah. really big happened yeah. and it doesn't work yeah. like that and it's still like in that protective zone too like i can i can fix this you know right. but i mean i don't know it's just really important that like i had to kind of somewhat spread my wings like sobriety shouldn't be the bar you know no. i think independence should be you know because um, well, that's really the problem, anyways. I mean, sobriety is like zero. Like you're right. you're at negative a hundred, and when you come out of treatment sober, you're now at zero. Right. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that's your foundation. Right. Now you get to start. It's yeah. like sobriety isn't the goal. Yeah. It's like the beginning. Right. Now you have to learn how to like pay bills, right. manage an apartment, be a father right. or a mother, right. yeah. be a child, be yeah. a friend, be a human being. Right. <laughs> right. But see, this While is what sober. I like about the so about Barry's house because a lot of sober houses, even the good, the good sober houses, a lot of them don't teach them anything. Yeah. I mean, and and we're assuming we we okay, so say through a detox, through a treatment, into a sober house and and now we want you to go out and get a job and 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 take care of yourself and do those right. things that you should be doing. Right. Well, but they have nobody's been doing those things for a very long time, if, if ever. Yeah. So somebody has it's to show thing. them. Yeah. And I know that you do that. Yeah. There. Yeah. Independence is important. I mean, I would say like, you know, we say that we have dependency problems. You know what I mean? We're substance abuse dependency, but I was dependent on people as mm -hmm. well. You know, like I mean, you know, I was incapable of doing things and, you know, my family, my friends, like they did a lot of things for me, and I never really grew up, you know, so it's part of it. And I, I see myself in a lot of these guys that come through. It's the same thing. It's just, um, you know, I didn't really have, like, uh, self – I didn't really have respect mm. for a dollar because it was always kind of thrown at me. You know, I really mm. didn't have, like, um, respect for, like, housing because, you know, I didn't pay any bills, you know. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, or, or like, laundry, you know. Like, I never even did laundry before. Like, these yeah. are, like, silly things that, you know, believe it or not, like, it all, to me, ties into the same problem. We have a living problem, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an impossible, I mean, it's an impossible, it's an impossible task to just develop skills out of nowhere, you know, and that was... I know my family said it. I know a lot of families think it. It's like, okay, stop doing drugs and just go be normal. Like, go do normal things. Yeah. Go pay your bills. Like, be responsible. And if that doesn't exist and nobody's shown you or you haven't learned how to do it sober without the crutch of substances or people, mm. places, and things, it is impossible. Yeah. I don't, I don't and know. you're at an age, most people are at an age now where people expect you to know how to do these things. Yeah, they do expect you. So it's also yeah. feels, it feels pretty shitty as the person, trying yeah. and right. failing, failing, yeah. trying and failing, and, right. and yeah. having everybody be let down. And it's almost like you don't want to do it again. Yeah, 
Independence yeah. is healthy. You know, you have a lot more respect for your life. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I have a lot of families that say to me, well, I can't throw them out of the house. <laughs> I'm not throwing them out of the house. There's a right. girl that I'm working with right now. She's 32 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, what well, 32-year-old lives right. at home. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's, this is not, that's not a, that's not a normal situation. Right. Where you're living off of your parents at 32 right. years old. Right. And so this is now, this is a good thing, you know, and, um. Yeah. And learning how to live on your own slowly and supported, right. I think, is, is I personally, well, you know, I feel like this because that's what Magnolia does. This is mm-hmm. what we do is we raise money for sober living because I yeah. think that that's the most important thing. It's, it is. I mean, you can have a, a really good treatment center and yep. you can you can have good things come out of that. But the what where yeah. the rubber re- meets the yep. road is in the yeah. year afterwards. Yeah, which is cool because I get to see <clears throat> all the change. And you it know. can be amazing. Right? It is great. Even for it's the people great. that come in thinking they got this all together, yeah. I'm going to be here for you yeah. know, I'm going to be stay for a month just yep. to shut everybody up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really cool. I get to see all, everybody grow up and mm-hmm. start talking different by the time they leave. And I'm a little jealous. I get to see them. Yeah, on, like, you're the on darkest like, day. Yeah. Front <laughs> they line. hate me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They really do. <laughs> then they get to you and they, yeah. their lives get better. They yeah. change and I'm yeah. over here just, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. He's such a good guy. I just, yeah. I just get to be the asshole yeah. I met first. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I get well, it easy. So, I mean, I'm always, as a matter of fact, somebody from the Chronicle today called me about sober living in Falmouth. And they're doing a story, I guess it's going to come up pretty soon, on, on sober living in, in on the Cape. And they wanted the name of um, two good women's houses because they couldn't find a women's house. There's men's houses down there, mm. but then a good women's house. So I know what my criteria is, but what do you think makes a good sober house? Mm. Structure. You yeah. Know, I really think structure is important. Community, um, an actual owner that's on site. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. I think not being too big is a huge thing too. I mean, some of these houses, like they've got like forty beds, and mm-hmm. it's like they're rooming houses. I think that yeah. if you are, if you work at a house and you can't name every one of your guests, then you are too big. Absolutely, yeah. not just name every and guest, but like talk about their life. I know everything. Yes. Right. Like you have to know what they're doing, know yeah. know where they're headed, and if it's working, yeah. and is it helping? Like yeah. That's yeah. And we're just present, and we're there, and like we don't. I would say that like we don't give them enough leash to hang themselves, mm-hmm. you know, just because there's such a presence there. I mean, we have ten beds and we have four staff. I actually don't even really. I mean, there probably is another house, but mm-hmm. I don't know of another house that has that type of structure. Yeah, I really don't. No, I think that's so important because I know that people worry about how often they're tested, how often you're drug tested. Right. Yeah. But if you have a house like yours, people know they're gonna. You know when someone's gonna relapse before they ever relapse. Yeah. Yeah, and they just, I would say that I think a lot of them, I don't really know what the science of it is, but, like, I think maybe they just don't even try because they know they're not even going to get caught. They're going to get caught. You know, we make it a point every day. Like, literally, we make it a point every day um, between me and the other managers that are are there to have some sort of FaceTime with each individual each Mm -hmm. day. Yeah, but that's what and I mean. I make it a you point. know, you know, they're going right. down the wrong road right. before they ever take that step. Most of the time, because you can tell there's a personality change because yeah. you know their personality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, well, anger, like, upset, frustration. Yep. I mean, those are kind of signs to me where like 
I don't know, they're just going to be dying for some sort of relief in the future. And so just learning how to live life on life's terms and just understanding that you are exactly where you're supposed to be at this point in time, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, helps bring some relief to the situation. And And a family can't do that. (laughs) Your parent, your mother can't do that. Your father can't can't do that. that Absolutely not. It just doesn't work because... When it's when it's your mother, you're like, stop asking me those questions. <laughs> Not that I've ever heard that God. myself. <laughs> or, or done it. Yes. Yeah. But um, I mean, there's even people that I've gotten too close to. I was just talking to somebody yeah. this morning. I was talking to their um, their counselor, and I've been like, I know this kid for the last two and a half years. I'm like, I, I can't be that person anymore because I've turned into mom. Yeah. So he's afraid to tell me things now where because he because right. I've turned into right. mom. And you know what? He needed mom. But mm. now there needs to be somebody else that, that is doing those yeah. things because I'm not effective anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's back now. I feel like I have, you know, it's like right. when I have another child. You get clouded by emotion. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to make a point. Uh, you just brought up the, the different pieces of quality sober living. And, you know, I've never actually been in quality sober living as a person in recovery. (laughs) I've only been in the other type of sober living. And I won't say where I've been, but I will say that the houses that I've been at, you know, they were, they provided a base level of support, which I think is what a lot of people think of when they think of sober living. Mm -hmm. You know, that base level of support is that, you know, there's there's maybe an in-house meeting once a week. Mm, Um, You know, there's an expectation that you'll do three to five meetings outside of the house. Which recovery path you choose is totally up to you. You're drug tested three days a week. It's standard. Mm -hmm. Um, You may never even meet the person who owns the building. You'll talk Mm -hmm. to the house manager occasionally if there's a problem. You do your chore and you get a key. And that was was what I got. And what that did uh, was it definitely gave me a safer than home place to be. But there was no culture there. There was Mm -hmm. no recovery community. Like maybe I made friends with like some old guy that sat in the hallway smoking cigarettes all day. But we didn't talk about recovery. We just talked about everything else. Like right. there was no recovery in the house. There was no culture in the house. It was just a place to live. And then everyone went outside of the right. house to get their recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. they brought it back. Sometimes they didn't. And yeah. that to me was the disconnect. Like I was there and I was there for, you know, four to six months. Each time I went, it was court ordered. I had to be there. Right. And I'll be honest with you. If there was more of a recovery culture, I might have felt compelled right. to participate right. or embrace it. Yeah. But it just didn't exist. Right. Yeah. And so all I did was sit there and I just was basically living out of that place. Right. Off doing my own thing. I was, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to get well there. It is harder. And, and it, I, I still think even a place like that is better than home. Well, that's what I said. It was exactly. safer than home. That's what I was going to yeah. say, But it's too. not, it doesn't have that recovery no, culture right. that John and I are talking about that, like, right. when most people think sober living, they probably think just that base level right. that yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. And a quality version of that is everything I just said it is. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that still doesn't breed recovery. It's not right. a culture, uh, a recovery culture <clears throat> home. Right. And I think that's where we're talking about that next step up, that that other quality level of care where people can get well yeah. there right. uh, requires more attention. A, a staff between. to client ratio that's right. like aggressive. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's ideal, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's it's just too bad there's not more places like that. Right. And it's unfortunate that there's not more affordable places like that. That's because, what I was going to say, too. I mean, even in a house where it is like, it is, you know, like you said, that base level, it's really not that hard to do a few extra things. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just not being done. Right. So well, there are, and there I mean, are that, houses that try, but. I think, I think currently, you know, over the last couple of years, there's also some expectations to limit what houses can say people need to do for their recovery. Um, you know, that, that certain, you know, uh, uh, 
sober livings can't push a, a particular type of recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got to be open to everything. So it's really hard to pinpoint a recovery style um, unless you step out of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other thing is it's a little bit more expensive to have staff. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, it costs yeah. a little bit more money to right. have groups throughout the day, people present all day doing things right. like, and that, you know, that changes things. Yeah. Um, right. And it also pushes up against like, um, you know, some of the expectations that, you know, of, for freedom that people might have, like if they're coming out of treatment, like, oh, I'm going to go to sober living. I should be able to have my car immediately, get my phone immediately, start sleeping out. I'll get to do this. I'll get to do that. Like it's an apartment. Right. You know, and uh, <clears throat> uh, when when we set up a house, like John said, structure, like there's an initial structure to the house where, you know, there's an initial restriction. You can't just come and then go out <laughs> like you're on full restriction for at least 30 days. And during that period in time, a lot of people that hear that might be like, oh, that's not what I'm looking for. And they the family's like, oh, that no, he needs to get back to work. She needs to get back to yeah. work too fast. Like, we, we, can't, we can't worry about that restriction right now. And we're like, all right, well, we're not going to bend. Right. Because <laughs> this is about getting them well and what it's right. going to take, not just can we accommodate their desire to not be in treatment or jail or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that, like, dismissing those that aren't willing to actually work the program mm -hmm. you know some houses they'll just let you stay even if you're not doing what you're supposed to do and it just makes for i think a sick environment in the house and nobody's really active you know i i think that it affects other people in the house if you got one bad egg in the house mm -hmm. um you know so it's important that everybody that's there striving towards the same goal and doing the same thing and i think it's really important that people are saying the same thing and so i think that sometimes what ends up being tough is that if you're a sober house and you're asking your guests to go to outside meetings in coordinates to staying in your home mm -hmm. you don't know what messages they're hearing i mean you know there's over 300 meetings a day in massachusetts alone wow. every day and how many of those do you think are actually doing the right thing and mm -hmm. saying the right thing or if they're even going you yeah. know i mean i don't That's know about too. like I, yeah. I, I used to have to get i used to have to get chairman a, signatures mm -hmm. listen i, I mean Is i used to johnny the chairman right i know him <laughs> right <laughs> my oh, parole officer gave me a card yeah right? he yeah. gave me this little card and he's like all right i want you to fill this out and bring it in and i didn't go to meetings at the time and even if i did i always forgot to get it signed so in the end i'd get like four or five different colored pens yeah and i'd just start Sign signing yourself. names with my right hand my left hand hey could you sign a name and you just make it up and hand it in i mean how do you even gonna, know right i don't have you a call, list you of all 300 right chairman <laughs> I mean, don't do this, kids. But um, you know, it's, uh, the bottom line is, is if that's if that's where you're getting your recovery, and like you're not getting it at the house, I mean, why are you there? And I guess that's where you know a lot of people start thinking that, like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Yeah. And that that culture, that community, is just, in my opinion, the biggest part. Like you stayed, you said you stayed 11 months right. uh, when you were getting well, and I, yep. I know it was the community that kept you there. Yeah. Like, like just being a part of that group and yeah. like growing up and seeing other yep. men be men and like uh, yeah. launch into their own life yep. is huge. We keep alumni close and I think that really helps because you keep it, alumni really close. We keep like alumni. they move down the street when they we move buy down them down pizza. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we lure yeah, them back. It's with all pizza. about the pizza. <laughs> Buying pizza. Yeah, every at the first of every month we do pizza night and so the alumni come back and we buy them pizza and then we also every tuesday night we have a guest that went through barry's house just talk about their experience in barry's house and how they're living on the outside and they're doing well but um yeah we keep them close too because 
we try and actually organize exits together, mm-hmm. you know, so that like they actually leave together and they keep doing this together. Um, because I mean, home is just not the better option. Mm-hmm. You know, I call that the scene of the crime. So why return? <laughs> yeah. It's so you know? hard for parents to hear that, you know? Uh, yeah. Because no, I mean, I know I wanted nothing more than for my daughter to come home. I know, right. I really I do. It. I wanted her to come home yeah, I and it. I wanted her actually her to be seven again. <laughs> and I wanted to like forget that this all happened. Right, right. Except when I was going to grill her yeah. with a hundred questions. <laughs> and it, I, I remember I said, you have to have six months of sobriety before you come home. Yeah, there and should be some sort of gap. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, when she had six months of sobriety, the last thing she wanted to do was come home. <laughs> uh, right, that's when she so, could come home. Yeah. Right. So, I yeah. mean, I think that, you know, it's not about the family. It doesn't make it their fault. And right. that's what I think people have to get over. It's not, you're not throwing them out. It's not your fault if they don't come home. Right. This is the next step in their recovery. And the goal for everybody is for us to raise healthy yeah. children that yeah. go and live their own lives. Yeah. And this is the this is the beginning of that happening. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I always tell people this is think very carefully about this because the first thirty days everybody's out of their mind anyhow. You know, so if you if you go beyond that thirty days oh, yeah. and, and, and the place you go after that is so important. So important. I mean, yeah, to think that a problem this big is gonna be fixed in just a month and not mm-hmm. just a month, but you're talking like enclosure. Mm-hmm. You're an impatient. You're not well, going anywhere, you're not learning skills. Right. The thing the thing that I get is that people are in, you know, they go off to work during the day and then I get to see them at night when they bring home their problems. Mm-hmm. And that's where we do the most work. Right. Like I want them to go out. I want them to have a job and I want them to have issues. I want them to bring home frustrations because if they don't, then we have nothing to work with. If you don't struggle, you don't grow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's really crucial that, yeah, we're there. Well, and that's what the, the family home. wants to bring them back into the safety of the home, nerf everything, and make sure that there's no shop objects <laughs> that they might get cut on. Right. And I'm, again, the exact opposite. It's like, well, they're not going to get better that way. No. You know what I mean? And the the idea of the bubble of treatment, I mean, yeah. again, I can't count how many families, when we get to that, they're like, all right, so can we add another right. six months of treatment? I'm right. Like, Ugh. Maybe how right. about some sober living? Right. You know, yeah. let's give right. them a chance to actually right. grow in a real, yeah. a real world environment yeah. around real problems with people who can help them solve yeah. them. Yeah. It's the difference between being sober and being recovered. You Absolutely. know, I mean, if like you break your leg, like you still need to like, you know, resting is a the first part, right? Yeah. Which is what impatient is for addiction. It's resting. We're just we're taking a rest from life, taking a break. We're getting three square meals a day, mm-hmm. but then we have to exercise it. You know, then there's this last part where it's rehabilitation. Like you have to work on your leg and get that muscle back and like strengthen it up. And I think addiction is the same way where like, you know, we're kind of like the rehabilitation part. And if you, you don't know? come out and flex those muscles, they're not going to develop. Right. Yeah. You get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's like there's so much fear, um, you know, from the individual trying to get well, fear of the life they have to give up and fear of the life that now they're being told they have to live is a life of like accountability, responsibility, you know, all that stuff that's terrifying anyway. And then the family of, you know, hey, we've been uh, uh, we've been managing this unmanageable thing for so long. Like I've, I've met parents who've like given up their job, you yeah. know, and quit their job to take care of this child or, you know, divorced Absolutely. over it or, you know, what, whatever the situation is. And then their loved one goes off to treatment and it's almost like they don't have anything to do anymore. And I know that sounds crazy because you're like, you know, if, if, if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're in the midst of it, I'm sure you're like, oh my God, I wish for that. But then it happens. Yeah. And now they're on their own journey getting well without you 
and you've learned that there's really nothing you can do except allow them to have that journey, it, it's a little empty. <laughs> uh, you know, you want to be a part of it. And so, you know, another part of uh, sober living that I think we we really try to incorporate into Barry's house is uh, communicating with the family. So John and I have a little stopgap. John is working at the house with the folks at the house. Mm-hmm. And my job is to stay in contact with the families each week. And I think, you know, giving them that update or allowing them to call and talk to somebody that's not John, that's yeah. not like directly interacting yeah. with the person yeah. is good because they just get to talk about how they feel. They're not trying to influence the outcome at the sober house. Yeah. The, their loved one is not manipulating the parents, like trying to use John to do that. So right. that little stopgap is nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I know that as a family member, like just having somebody sit in a program and not getting those updates, it's, it's hard. It's yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard. But, you know, and then just listening to your loved one. Mm-hmm. So getting the phone call, this place sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's, everybody, everybody's yeah. stealing my stuff, and yeah. John is mean, and he doesn't like me, so he's, you know, all this stuff. I mean, the, and you're listening to this as a parent. You're thinking, I'm paying for this. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I'm paying yeah. for this person to yeah. abuse my... And then, but if you had a fly in the wall, you see that that's not happening at all. And now, you know, what, what that really means is I want to get out. I want to live in your house. Mm-hmm. I'd like to steal some of your jewelry. What's left? <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to go back out and use again. I need and, a little bit of your money and I just yeah. need to stay downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And after crazy. that, then we can talk about a different sober house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what we're up against, you know. I mean, it, it, there was a... Uh, there was a figure that got thrown around a few months ago, and I think we I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts, but it was that 80-20, you know, that there's most of the treatments that's out there is geared toward 20% of the population, not the other 80, right? So only, you know, less than 20% of the people in treatment want to be there and are trying to get well. The other 80% are there because they're, they need to be there, either through legal consequences, family leverage them in via intervention, they've got other plans, they think they should be doing something else. There's a a larger population of people in treatment right now who don't want to be there. Yeah. Um, and the programs, uh, are they generally cater to that 20% of like, they just assume that you want to be there. Everything is like, well, what do you want to do? Right. You know, and they're expecting that this person's going to tell the truth and that like, they're going to, they're going to make plans on what's in their best interest. And so they're, you know, they're constantly letting them almost lead the charge through treatment. So they're, they're catering to the easiest part of, of what they do. Well, they're assuming that the individual is self-motivated <laughs> and driven, and so yeah. they're taking their feelings and thoughts into consideration. Yeah. Not that they shouldn't, but for us, you know, people who are in recovery ourselves, you know, yeah. when we sit down with people, we know that the majority of them, you know, are still actively manipulating, even if it's not coming from a, mal- a malicious or intentional place. Absolutely. Their sickness is still active. Yeah. They are still, they've been, They've been behaving like an addict longer than they've been behaving like a person in recovery. So there's still some of that in there. And so we have to be really sensitive to that and look at every word that comes out of their mouths like that. That might not be true. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, whereas the parents are more likely to hear that one so, phone call about oh there's a bunch God. of drug addicts in here and there's some dirt in the corner. And you're like, well, I'm coming to pick you up right now. We'll get you to some place that doesn't have dirt in the corner and they'll be nicer to you. And it's like. <laughs> you don't automatically go to a place where that person's probably lying to try to manipulate and most parents wouldn't yeah most parents want to believe that their kid is like trying and this well, place is making it hard plus for them. You've, the parents feel like if if you don't believe them 
And if you don't like go along with with this, then what you're doing is going to make them relapse. Right. It's mm-hmm. and it's going to be your fault. Right. That's exactly right. And it's going to be your fault. Yeah. Every yeah. because everything parents yes. feel like you know at some level there's I guess there's two kinds of parents. Right, One right. is nothing is my fault, yeah. but the great majority is everything is my yeah, fault. Yeah. Every Sorry for single thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And and so you're just waiting because and you don't want it to be their fault because they're perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean in your head. So you would rather take the responsibility. I'd rather it be me and then I because I can change me oh I can change me I can't change you so if I just fix all the things about me that caused you to be sick (laughs) then you'll be fine you know it's just it's really parents and family members get just as sick as the person that is um that is struggling they really do it's almost sicker it's in a different way it's very um I've actually had um you know I've had some moms step back in and almost sabotage the situation yeah. You know, their loved ones in treatment and rather than promoting the professional recommendations of the treatment plan and like actually keeping this thing going, you know, invest months into a treatment plan and then just decide like, no, we're done. We're just going to do something else now. And like, I have to be, I have to step in and have that really tough conversation. Like, are you, are you sure? You know, you're like months into something that could completely change your loved one's life. Like, why are we stopping now? Yeah. And a lot of times they just step in. Well, no, cause we have a better plan. You know, and that that's hard. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, being a doctor and having like somebody in treatment for something. And then one of the family members comes in like, no, we've just decided we're just going to stop now. Like, we think we got enough. And I'd be like, like, I don't know if you've ever taken penicillin for something and they yeah. give you the bottle and like take the whole thing and you take half and you feel better. You're like, eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. And, and then you catch it again two yeah, weeks later. Yeah. And like, did you take the whole thing? You're like, well, no. I mean, I thought I was fine. It felt better. Yeah. yeah, it felt better. Yeah. And that's what, mo- that's what happens to most people here is like they get... You know, that first 30 days of treatment that you were talking about, Maureen, that's like the physical recovery, right? right? That's where they're in the bubble, they're eating again, they're sleeping again, like they're connecting with people, they're talking, they go to a visit, and all of a sudden there's like color in their cheeks. Yeah, no withdrawals, there's like a little sparkle in their eye. They're talking normal again, that's 30 days, that's physical recovery, right? And then you got so many different versions of recovery, like the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual, all these different levels to hit. But a lot of times when the individual just feels good enough and the family's like, I think we're there. And they the, want them back so badly. They want they want to get them back to normal yeah. life. They want to speed them up and get them to a job or get them to school or get them yeah. back in an apartment or bring them back home. And all of a sudden the family steps in. And this is where I say maybe they're sicker is they step in and then they start to remanage the thing they were trying to manage before right. and take over. And then John and I get stuck being like, well, this might well, be a bad idea. <laughs> and they're afraid. I mean, I know this because then you get afraid that your um, the person, your child, is not going to believe that you support them and believe that they're really, you know, they've got it this time and that they're really doing the work and all this. So you don't want to go against your child either. Right. But that's the wrong thing to do right. because this is not a this well, is you, a disease that defies reason, right? Yeah. Well, if you understand that this is a thinking problem, yeah, right? Addictions. It's a thinking. It changes the way that your brain works then hopefully once you learn that, once you understand that, maybe as a parent or family member, if you're reading books, doing research, going to groups or meetings, and hearing about the depth of this illness and that it's not just the surface drug or alcohol use that needs to go away. It's not time away from a substance that heals people, right? The time away from a a substance, like we said before, just gets you to zero. Now you need to build something. That's like an empty lot with a foundation. Like, we have a house. I'm like, no, you have a hole with a foundation. (laughs) You don't have a house. Like, you could sleep in there and put cardboard over it, but that's not the thing, right? Getting sober is not the goal, to your point. And 
you know, so if you're going to treatment and you're coming out of treatment and sober was your goal and you're coming home, odds are you're going to repeat your mistakes pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And or you're going to have a, a series. Life. Yeah, you're going to have a series of like, you know, 30, 60 or 90 day chunks of like almost getting it and then falling apart again because right. there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, and that's sad. That's hard to watch and that's frustrating. It actually turns people away from going back into treatment because they're not doing treatment correctly. Right. right. They're just going in for that first dose and they don't stay. And they don't get the result, and then like, oh, we've tried treatment. Yeah, we've tried that so many times it doesn't work. I think too, like that that um, that feeling that you've completed something. Like yeah, if you say, I'm going to be in there for a year, and I'm going to work on all these things, and I'm going to get a job, yes. I'm going to do all these things, and you set goals, which yeah. I know you set goals yeah. with them. Yeah. And at the end of the time that you know, or even after a certain number of months, you see the progress yeah. you've made, yeah. and and you see the progress you're making towards the rest yeah. of your goals. That's kind of what we do when yeah. we're raising children like and everything is <laughs> right. is, is simple yeah. like the you normal know launch. That, right so i i mean i and i've seen that in my own family where there's i have one child that did everything like exactly like right. you would hope that somebody did it right and now and i have another child that struggled right, right. so she had lots of ups and downs and all that kind of, but she once she saw the progress that she made in a year, yeah, then it right. made her want to do this, you know, go through yeah, the second right. year and make more plans and more goals, and um, yeah, I just think that you know that's something that that happens, I think it, so too. It, and it doesn't happen without support. No, I think that the more work you put into your recovery, the less likely you're going to be to throw it out the window. Shouldn't we? It would be wonderful if we could all do this. Right, I put so (laughs) much work into my recovery, like Mm -hmm. the last thing I ever want to do is just throw it away. Well, that's what she she goes, I have things to lose now. I don't want to lose the things that I, that I, even when she has really bad, hard times. And I bring her up, but I mean, this is, I hear this over and over again, you know? And, and because this is kind of how it works. And, um, and again, I, I was no part of that. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I was mom. I I loved her. You gave her access. Well, you know what it is? I started to get well by the time she wanted to get, well, it was, what a coincidence, huh? When I started to get well, then she, then she also, got well no that's not yeah there was no coincidence there it was because (laughs) i stopped being a a raving maniac and realized my place in it and um then she started to she started to take her recovery into her own hands yeah but um and then i realized that i'm not her recovery coach i am not a professional that that can work with her ever and i may be able to work with other people's kids but i definitely can't work with my own and i stood back and i let other people do what they did and and you know and then i acted like mom yeah the equation doesn't make sense on paper it's in order to hold on you gotta let go so counterintuitive that's right i think about it myself like with what i do for a living if i go down this road and and you know, a family member or a child of mine is going through this, it's going to be really hard for me to take someone else's advice. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. just thinking about it while you were talking. I, was, I could just picture right. me yelling at professionals and like, <laughs> flipping tables. You know, yep. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, I, I could see me yeah. getting like that because, you know, it's, it's really hard to let go. I mean, these, these are our kids, you know. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are the people that we've raised. Like, we know them supposedly better than anybody right. else does right. you know like what are you going to say that i couldn't say you know how come my the the parent can't get through it's going to take this stranger to do it. there's all these things that you know rattle around in your head yeah. and then you sit down with this person that tells you that the solution to your problem is to do the opposite right. of what you've been doing right. which is loving and parenting and not to stop doing it but to to try to love in a different healthier right. way yeah. right. um, you know to to be closer to them by setting boundaries yeah. instead of just 
not having any. Right. And, and, yeah, and I, you know, that's a hard thing for parents to realize right. because what you're not, you're not cutting them off, you're not throwing them out. You're giving them options. Yes. Right. Healthy options. Right. And if they refuse to take them, then that's their choice. Right. You're not throwing them out. It's, it's, but it's very, very hard because all you want to do, you, you don't want your child living in the street. Right. You know, that's it's, it's like as if things aren't scary enough. But, you know, t- chances are if they've gotten to that point, mm-hmm. they're more resourceful than you can ever imagine. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, and, you know, bad things do happen. And yeah. it's it's terrible and it's it's so scary. But bad things happen in people's own, own bedrooms, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I was just going to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, people are so afraid. Own. Families are so afraid of like letting them go and that they're going to overdose. I mean, majority of overdoses that I hear are actually at the family's house. Right. Mm-hmm. They happen alone in their bedroom. Yeah. I'm, I bathroom, was more... Right. Couch. I mean, I used a hell of a lot more at my house because it mm-hmm. was a lot more comfortable. Ba- yeah. 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 Well, Shooting heroin as a homeless guy is not as fun <laughs> as doing it in your warm room. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's not. It's a little more dangerous, too. I mean, we're not... And that that's the thing, I guess, that... You know, a lot of parents and, and, and others may feel is that, you know, because we're using that we are somehow suicidal, um, you know, yeah. taking taking constant risks because we want to die. I, I can only speak for myself here, but I didn't want to die. I was actually trying to be really careful with the doses that I was doing because I liked getting high mm-hmm. and I wanted to live. I just didn't like the pain that life came with. Like mm-hmm. I, was, I didn't want to die unless I needed something from you. What's that? Unless I needed something. Oh, good, correct. Yeah, right. no. Then I would tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd make you believe oh, yeah. that that's well, the I'll case. Yeah. yeah. I'll end it right now. Yeah. But and that doesn't mean that you don't take it seriously. You know, mm-hmm. that's the sad thing is that like I can't sit here and be like, you know, it's a bluff. <laughs> Your kid it is might not be. Yeah. No. Right, to kill themselves. I can never action. say that yeah. ever. But what I will say is that I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did too. You know, just to get what I wanted. Well, that's the desperation, right? Yeah. Like how far... I will do whatever I know, need to do to feel okay today. Well, so much easier to section somebody on a 12 than it is on a 35. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, when they say they're going to hurt themselves, respond appropriately, yes. go to the hospital, get that's the section right. 12, okay. get the 72 hours, gotcha. so you yeah. something else. You're right. You're yeah. right. And that should, yeah. be the, that should be the response. I mean, that's always what it is. Oh, right. You said the worst. $40. Okay. Yeah. Let's go uh, do the thing. Let's... Yeah. You're... Yeah. Okay. Heard you. Yeah. Could you say it one more time yeah, into the phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's hard. Like, it is hard. It's hard as a professional to get families to, to, like, rally families to all be on the same page, to step in and do the hard thing that needs to be done. It's hard, you know, even meeting a person post-treatment and having them in sober living to, to help them find the motivation if the family is still sick pushing against us. Yeah. You know, so just as much as... The community, like what's a quality sober house, like the community, what the residents are doing in there, the groups and stuff like that. To John's point, everything that happens in the house is why those guys get well. But there's still a pull. There's a gravitational pull from the family for some of them to just come back into the fold and get come back to the sickness. And they're not doing it intentionally. No, They're doing it because they yeah. just want them back. Right. And again, a quality sober living, to your initial question, um, it should have some contact with the family you know something to help break that gravitational pull because all it takes is a a bad week or a saturday afternoon where they're visiting at home and the kid's just like i think i just i'm done and they're like all right well you know let's get you an apartment and then it's over there's nobody to challenge it there's nobody to resist it there's nobody to stand up for the treatment process and how important it is to keep going yeah and so you know to have that peace is just as important right. as to have somebody managing the family. I agree with uh, you. And you're not mental health professional, so you're not bound by HIPAA. No. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and neither there, I, I don't everybody know. Everybody knows that right up front. Right. <laughs> and so I, I, that's something that I don't think parents realize. You get so used to not being able to ask the questions when the person is in treatment. You can ask the questions when, when they're in, especially if you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. Right. You can ask those questions, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. I think that anybody that, I've had I've had experiences with some really wonderful sober houses right. that um, I mean that were there and right. and told me what was going on right. but because I couldn't see she wasn't in front of yeah. me. Yeah, I think sometimes HIPAA can actually get in the way. Oh, I think so too. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, because it's unfor. I mean, because it's understandable because it's you know people don't want their medical business out there. You know, but the funny thing is is that a part of my problem was mm. the delusion that I thought that I was hiding this from people. Mm. You know, I feel like you should lose that it. Like people, if- and people were too afraid to talk to me about it. Like, I was the type of guy where, like, my name got brought up most of the time behind closed doors. Right. Nobody wanted to challenge me because nobody wanted to deal with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, like, nobody wants the blowouts or yeah. the arguments or anything like mm-hmm. that. So everybody just talks behind your back. And then for a while, like, when people do that long enough, I think I'm getting away with it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm doing this. Yep. You know, I'm gonna point. I'm gonna be able to. You know, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna be the only guy in the history yeah. of the world to live his life and be a heroin addict <laughs> without anyone right taking it away. I'm from doing me. yeah <laughs> in my mom's basement, crushing it at 42. Succeeding. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe I'm still doing this at 42. I'm getting away with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Winning. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, I've, I and I know this is probably crazy, but like I almost feel like. You know, HIPAA is good in the beginning if you're that 20%. Like, if you're that self-motivated individual who's still trying to hold your stuff together and, like, you put yourself in treatment, yeah. I think it should be good. Like, nobody should be able to just find out or call and ask. But, you know, if you're, like, if you are if you keep coming in, like, I think maybe two or three times in for an overdose, can we call it? But you know, can we, can, we, can we pull it? <laughs> if if my, my, child, my child overdoses and she's still on my insurance, you're going to bill my insurance, I'm going to get something in the mail, and that's how I'm going to find out she overdosed? That is pretty That's crazy. how most of the families I, I talk mean, it's to ridiculous. find out. They're it's like, ri- we just got a you're bill and find, find out. out anyways. Wow. It's ridiculous. It's it unbelievable. Yeah. But and, and how can you help and how can you do anything about it if you, don't, if you don't know and you don't know this is going on? Because I know lots of families that I found out that she, you know, when she overdosed sometimes when we got the bill in the mail. That's unreal. And um, yes. but and but look at Turnbridge. They found a way around it. Mm-hmm. We had Diana Clark on the show yep. from Turnbridge, and Katie was there briefly. Yeah, my daughter before she jumped over jumped the, wall. the wall. She could have just walked right out too. <laughs> she could have walked out. It was no because she, you know what they followed her when she oh, walked out. Yeah, and they would call me when she walked out. She thought she had like an hour's like running time mm-hmm. in the um in if she jumped the wall. But anyway, they but they did call me, and they always called me, yeah. and they they found a way around around yeah. HIPAA. Well, it's and, having the family advocates, having that stopgap yes. too. You know, that's why John and I have that. I mean, even if we were a licensed facility, you know, having the stopgap between you know that individual works with John and I work with the family, and John and I as professionals get to share that information. You know, I mean, if it's relevant to my case, then I have to share it too. Yeah. But either way, I mean, it's. It is a hindrance to not be able to talk openly about something that feeds off of secrets, yeah. right? I mean, that is the sickness of addiction, right. is secrets and lies and manipulation. And if you can't expose that to sunlight, if you can't bring transparency to that, then yeah. you can't fix it. Right. right. And that just goes to the whole point that this is a family disease. Everyone's affected by it. Everyone needs to be in some form of treatment. Right. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I'm more likely to participate in recovery if I feel like the cat is out of the bag. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, 
people know the game is it's over. out there. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like what was the one we used to say? You ever play hide and seek? And then have you ever just played hide? <laughs> oh, <right>. Like hide <laughs> and seek is fun when everybody's yeah, chasing you yeah, and looking yeah. for you. You're like, oh my god, they're never gonna find me. Yeah. If you've ever played hide, it's like the dumbest game ever. Right. Like there's nobody looking for no, you. No, you just right. once the game is over, <laughs> yeah, you just you're just sitting alone in the dark and like this is actually kind of stupid. Yeah. And you know it is stupid. And and if nobody's chasing you around, if the game is no longer on, the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. Yeah, maybe that's not what makes you do it, but you are more likely. Yeah. You are more likely to engage because the game is over. Yep. Um, and you're more likely to accept help or choose a different path. Right. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love this topic. We could talk about this all day. Right? Yeah. We do talk about this all day. As a matter of fact, all do. three of us, yes. <laughs> one way or another. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me ask you this. If there was one thing uh, about the system that you could change, John, what, what would it be? Oh, boy. Just one. That's a Can't, not, not, not the top ten. I, but can just cha- one thing. I have the power to change You have the power. You can just come system. in and... Make one thing in the system work a little bit better. What would it be? <laughs> I, um, I think that I don't know if like I could actually do this, but if uh, I, honestly, I think the biggest problem in the industry is that people are talking. Uh, they're they're talking um, about other people's treatment, how they're running their programs, and I think that people should just mind their business mm-hmm. and run their own programs the mm-hmm. way they do it. Right. Um, you know, I just, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that f- are really trying to force their position on mm-hmm. other people saying that it is the only way. Right. And it's not, you know, like I'm going to tell you right now, like Barry's house, it's not for everybody. Right. It's not, you know, and if somebody tells you that like they are the solution and that they are the answer, they're a liar. Yeah. They're an absolute that. liar. Right. And just worry about your doing. There are multiple paths. Be okay with that. That's There's multiple paths out huge. there. Like I like, I got well from the steps. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried MAT for years, and I had to get away with it. You know, um, I had to get away from it. Sorry, and um, yeah. Like, does that mean that I don't think that MAT is a good solution for people? No, I think it's an option. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best thing that I actually got out of MAT was that I actually gave it a chance mm-hmm. and I tried it. And I realized that it didn't work for me, yeah. you know. And so, and 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 if I hadn't gone down that road, I wouldn't have been so willing to take the long, more rigorous road. I think of like you know the twelve steps, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I think that people. I think that there should be options out there. I think that people should stop right. saying that there's only one. Yeah, you know. Um, that's it, the only it, other thing both, that I both would change. ways, though. Right. Yeah, yeah that both goes both ways. ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of That's the variety. Like, like, I, yeah. The real crazy thing isn't that people are, you know, like some people like, you know, 12 steps and sober houses, like, um, you know, they're not solutions and this and that. And it really is. I mean, you know, I'm living proof. I'm sitting here. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it funny, too, that like there's a lot of people in this industry that you know, they're in recovery and they work in this field. And I'm always curious how they actually got well and what it is that they're actually promoting. Yeah, you know, what are things. you, right, are you actually practicing what you preach? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what we do. I mean, we practice what we preach. And I don't, I don't know how you could do this job and not do that. You know, maybe that's the difference between actually loving your job and just having a job because yeah. I like to be able to talk about what I did and how mm-hmm. I did it and how I'm still doing it today. Mm-hmm. And makes it easier to work I mean I could never imagine selling something that didn't work on me and right. now I'm pushing it on other people 
I, very I contradictory. People yeah. do that all the time. It's they really do. scary yeah. and it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like you go to buy a Honda and the guy drives a Ford. Yeah. And then and, and then you hear <laughs> and, then, and then what's happening now is that like the government's like taking sides between like you know what's right and what's wrong and it's mm-hmm. like no. There is no exact answer. I well, would it, say it would, I would say listen government. You're right. <laughs> You know, let's go. Let's right go. Now, let's go with this one way. Yeah. If it was a hundred percent, you know, accurate. Right. Like there is no fix. There's no wand. It's yeah. just even if it's ninety five percent accurate. Do you mind if we deal with the other five? Yeah. And I always <laughs> oh, like yeah. to say too. It's like you know, it, it's it's not the program that fixes you. You mm. know, it's you actually working the program. And right. so being inspired is a part of that. And being having something in front of you that you actually want to do mm-hmm. is really crucial. And so at the end of the day, change is the goal. Mm-hmm. And whether it is through the steps or whether it is through medication, whether it is through CBT, DBT, mm-hmm. whatever the route that you're going, you know, change should be the solution. And so you need to be inspired by it. You know, like I never really felt comfortable um, you know, meeting with a clinician every week. I just didn't, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I felt personally, I felt a lot more comfortable when I sat in front of somebody that had been there, Mm -hmm. done that, and they had a genuine smile on their face and that I could trust, you know, and that's something that I couldn't even argue with. I'm really good at arguing, but when I can sit in front of somebody and like they're well, and they're smiling and I can't argue with that. It's not, you know, so that's something that I needed. Now, and again, I'm, te- I'm sitting here and I'm telling everybody what my route was and what my opinion is. I would never write somebody off for what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Never, because it's a path. And guess what? Maybe one person will get it there. Even if I don't agree with the program, maybe one person will get it, and I'm going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's fine. Right. Yeah. I think the only time the government should really step in and be trying to control things is that if it was 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this thing is fixing everybody. Yes. So let's right, do this. Yeah, this let's has to it. be the root, but it's yeah. not. It's That's solving not the it. case. You know. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of variety. I mean, I, I know that uh, you know if I want a burger, there's not just one burger place. You know what I mean? Like if I want to go to a pharmacy, there's not just one pharmacy. Like if I want to go shopping, there's right. not just one. There's variety, and it's up to me to get to decide which one I want to go. Some are yeah. more expensive. Some are less expensive. Some are better quality. Some are not. And you know, I hear that multiple pathways to recovery, and I'm okay with that as long as everybody else is. Um, And that not every pathway needs to have every pathway available. Some people need that space. And, you know, I think uh, I I hear what you're saying, and and I know that... um, So I don't know how I change that. I change Well, you just told them. They're going to change it after the show once they hear it. (laughs) You said, listen, government. Yeah. Until you have have a 100% solution that solves all of this, then you have to be open to all the variety that right. people have and stop trying to make everybody do everything. And yeah. I think that's that was the message. And yeah. I heard it. So but there's options. They heard it. Right. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, as I said, this is one of my favorite topics, and I really appreciate you finally coming on the show. I've been trying to get you forever. That's a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> that, was a, that was a flat-out lie. Um, but I do appreciate you joining us. And yeah, um, Thank you. I know our listeners, they get to hear Maureen and I talk all the time about it, but I'm, I'm, I want them to hear from the other half of the company because you are the other half of this company. You, you yeah. drive that. I, I do my part. You do your part. But there are people getting well. There's a, there's a recovery community in Beverly because of what you do, because of the work that you put in, because of your investment in that house and the people that live there and their recovery. And I think it's just really important for people to know that that exists. And this isn't just another you know, pop-up rooming house in a town. This is actually people getting well, 
paying taxes, working at jobs in the community, like, you know, building a culture. And mm. that's, I, I think that's something that not everybody gets to hear about all the time. They hear sober living, they just think that other thing. Yeah. And so I really appreciate you coming on and helping yeah, our listeners open up their ears a little bit, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Okay. And until then, bye, everybody. Thank you. All right. I would like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode of Collateral Damage. As always, if you'd like to find out all of the different ways that you can listen to and subscribe to our podcast, you can visit our website, which is www.cdpodcast.com. There are many different ways to listen, download, and subscribe, so we encourage you to choose the one that is most appropriate for you. And as always, we would encourage our listeners to get informed and stay connected. Thank you for joining us.